Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9, that'll get you at least in the right spot. And I want to begin this morning with a little lesson about the four Gospels that we find in the New Testament. No doubt, as we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, you've discovered that three of the four Gospels at least uh, record many of the accounts that we've been looking at. And at times, we find that there are notable differences in those accounts that they're giving. And the question, I think, I've been asked this question by many of you, the question is, why? Why in those, at least three of those Gospels, do we find such a a variance sometimes in the accounts that they're giving? And so I want to answer that question for you this morning. Uh, the, The main reason that we find that is this, because each Gospel is written to a different audience for a different purpose. That's the main reason. It was written to a different audience with a different purpose. For example, Matthew. Matthew writes from a Jewish perspective. And Matthew, is his purpose is to demonstrate that Jesus is King and Messiah of Israel. And so a lot of what he records will be from that perspective. Mark, on the other hand, his target audience was Roman believers. So he's coming at his reporting from a Gentile perspective. And, and Mark, he presents Jesus as the suffering servant of the Lord. And Mark throughout his gospel, emphasizes Jesus's service and his sacrifice more than his teaching. It's not that he doesn't have any teaching in there, but he really looks and reports on those things that have to do with service and sacrifice. Luke, as all of you should know, right, was written to who? To Theophilus, right? The gospel of Luke was written to one man, Theophilus, and Theophilus is believed to have been a Roman dignitary, so he was a Gentile as well. And Luke, as he writes to Theophilus, writes from a thematic rather than a chronological perspective. And his goal is to give to Theophilus, and ultimately the Spirit of God has given it to all of us, a well-researched document that that interviewed first-hand witnesses, and his goal was to put all this together so that Theophilus would have confidence in the things that he was being taught about Jesus. And finally, we come to the Gospel of John, and we find that John writes with the other three Gospels in mind. He already knows about them, and so as he records his Gospel, he is supplementing and complementing the things that have already been written by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John also writes from an evangelistic perspective, proclaiming Jesus as Savior and Lord, and also from an apologetic perspective where he defends the truth that Jesus is the incarnate God-man, the promised Messiah. And so those are at least four good reasons why you'll find some variance and some differences uh, in those gospel accounts. Secondly, I just want to throw this in that the gospel of John is the most unique among uh, the four, okay? You'll find more original content there. You'll find things that you won't find anywhere else, and you'll find little of what the others wrote about in his gospel. And, uh, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are referred to as the synoptic gospels because of the amount of common material that they 
each record. Now, it is a fact that it was common material, but it wasn't necessarily identical material. And even though it wasn't identical material, one thing we need to make sure we understand is it wasn't contradictory material, all right? What we find is simply this, that each writer of the Gospels, he either uses or omits certain facts that are helpful to the purpose for which the Holy Spirit inspired them to write. So what we discover then is that if we want a full account, we want to see all that happened with a specific account, then we have to take all three of those gospels and we have to then synthesize them down so that we have all of the relevant facts and they're all included. And such is the case today. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the transfiguration, which we looked at last Sunday. Not only do they record that, but they also record what follows immediately after the transfiguration. These uh, gospel writers record that Jesus leaves the mountain and he leaves his glorified state behind and he comes back to the valley and he interjects himself once more in the common challenges of ministry among people in a fallen, fallen world. And so with that in mind that we have these variances and differences and not all the gospel writers include all the different facts, today I've decided that we're going to put all three of these together as we look at this uh, passage of Scripture. So we're going to take all three accounts and what I've done is synthesize them together so that we'll just go through one reading. Now as we read, you're going to find, go ahead and change the slide for me if you would, As you look at the screens, you'll find Luke's words, the words that he wrote in black. You'll find the words that come out of Matthew in blue. You'll find the words that are coming from Mark in green. And despite any of those, if it's Jesus speaking, you'll see it underlined in red. We all got it? Black is Luke, blue is Matthew, green is Mark, and underlined in red are the words of Jesus. Are you ready for this? Let's go for it. So I'm using Luke as the baseline, all right? So here we start in verse 37. On the next day, this is after the transfiguration, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him, that is Jesus. They, meaning Jesus, Peter, James, and John, came to the disciples, saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And before the answer could come, behold, a man from the crowd cried out, teacher, I beg you to look at or to have mercy on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him. He has seizures and suffers terribly, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. He falls into the fire and often into the water. Also, a spirit makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I begged your disciples, that's the nine that were left behind as Jesus Peter, James, and John were on the mountain. I begged your disciples to cast it out to heal, but they could not. And Jesus responds to all of that with this statement. O faithless and twisted generation, 
In many of the translations, it is the use of the word you'll find perverse. Old faithless and twisted or old faithless and perverse generation. How long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the spirit saw him. That is, Saul Jesus. And the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. And he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can... All things are possible for the one who believes, for one who believes. Immediately the father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And after crying out, excuse me, uh, help my unbelief, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him, terribly it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose, was healed instantly, and Jesus gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were all marveling at all that he was doing, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. He also said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Many of the translations also include the word fasting. Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them so that they might not understand, so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid and asked him, and they were afraid to ask him about this saying. You know, there's no doubt that Jesus, Peter, James, and John have enjoyed the proverbial mountaintop experience. Uh, Jesus was temporarily engulfed in the glory that was his before before his incarnation. Peter, James, and John saw the, the divine glory of Jesus. They also saw the glory of the kingdom through Moses and Elijah. But no sooner had they gotten off the mountain than they were immersed again in the messy ministry of life in a fallen world. The nine disciples who did not go to the mountain They were surrounded by a crowd, and they were engaged in a heated debate with some of the local scribes, and and Jesus inquired inquired about what the fuss was about. We find an unnamed man pushing through the crowd and making his way to Jesus. And as he got to Jesus, he began to beg him to have mercy on his son because his son was afflicted by an evil spirit that seemed intent on destroying him. And after identifying some of the ways in which the evil spirit had been afflicting his son, he throws the disciples under the bus. 
He announces that he had already come to the nine and he had begged them to cast the spirit out. They had, he had begged them to bring healing to his son, but they were unable to do it. Now that's an important point right there. And I find it very odd that we find ourselves in this place because it was not more than a year ago in the time frame we're looking at that Jesus had invested his power and authority into the disciples and he had invested it into them so that they could cast out demons, so that they could cure diseases, so that they could proclaim the kingdom of God and so that they could heal the afflicted. And they had been successful very successful in carrying out those ministries. But now, the very thing that Jesus commissioned and resourced them to do, they could not do. Why? Because they had become spiritually impotent. You say, what happened? What happened? Well, the answer to what happened, I believe, can be summed up in truth point number one. Truth point number one says that when Jesus invests power and authority, he never takes it back. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.